Jimmy Buckets gets his wish. He's on his way out of Minnesota and he's on his way to the house that Doc built. The house that Iverson built. He's on his way to from P-H-I-L-A period. It's the cipher. According to reports from Yahoo, Sports Illustrated, and ESPN, Jimmy Buckets is headed to Philly for Dario Saric and Robert Covington in a 2022 second round pick. I think this is probably the best deal that the Timberwolves could get. You were never going to get equal value for Jimmy Butler, a two-way all-star and a guy that's still in the prime of his career. For Philly, it's a big move. It might be the jump start they need. They needed another creator, another playmaker, and another scorer. They needed someone who could create for himself and others, and they got that with Jimmy Buckets. They also got somebody that's an elite wing defender. When you look at the Sixers roster, yes, Embiid is a special talent. Simmons is a special talent, but he's a unique talent because he's impactful, but at the same time, he's not a scorer. And the ball does stick with him because teams back off of him and give him space. I think with Jimmy Butler drawing one-on-one assignments with his ability to post, not to mention his ability to shoot from mid-range and from three, it spreads the floor it diversifies the offense more. More importantly, like I said before, it gives them a much needed another creator. Why this could work and turn a Sixer team that was struggling into a legitimate title contender? Because you now have three legitimate all-star caliber players. You now have three guys that garner the defense's attention. And I think that the interesting part to this is You've got three alpha players. Simmons is an alpha player. No question Jimmy Butler has an alpha personality. And Joel Embiid, he might have a triple alpha personality. So you know they all want the ball. You know they don't fear the big moments. That's the plus side. Why it might not work? Because you have three alpha personalities. Jimmy Butler is leaving a Timberwolves team who had two talented young players, but they were anything but alpha personalities. He was able to mentally beat down Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. That's not going to happen coming to Philly. He established right away in Minnesota that the Timberwolves was his team. That's not going to happen in Philly either. Embiid and Simmons have ginormous egos, and they're both alpha personalities that have they don't lack for confidence. So it might not that if it's not going to work, if this is a failed experiment, it just might be you've got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. But when you look at the scope of the Eastern Conference, when you look at what Toronto is doing right now, what the Bucks are doing right now and how the Celtics seem to be struggling, there is an opening for the Sixers to step into that vacuum and put themselves in a position to where they're back to being a legitimate title contender. This deal kind of came out of nowhere because most people had the front runner for getting Jimmy Butler's talents was Houston and right behind them, Miami. When this went through, I'll admit I was surprised, but this was all about the owners. 
If Philadelphia's Josh Harris and Minnesota's Glenn Taylor don't get together, have private conversations, work out a deal, and then bring in their GMs to kind of like fill in the dotted lines, it never happens. This doesn't get executed, and it did. Why does it help the Timberwolves? I think it helps the Timberwolves avoid a complete rebuild. Yes, you're losing a two-way player and an all-star, a guy who gives you 21 points a night. But with the reemergence of Derrick Rose, I think that the brain trust in Minnesota thought bringing in Sarge along with Covington, two young starters who can be productive and not to mention impact the game on both ends of the floor is a smart move. They really believe that Derrick Rose could make up for whatever they lose in losing Jimmy Butler offensively. Right now, D. Rose is averaging about 19 points a game, just under five assists. If he can sustain this, then Minnesota's gamble will have been proven right. I like the front line of Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, and Sarge. Across the board, you're talking about 23, 23, and 23-year-olds. A young front line, and you still have the ability to improve your team in the free agency next year. I'm not saying that the Timberwolves are going to be a playoff team. I don't think that. But I do think this trade will keep them respectable. For the Sixers, I think it's a gamble. I think for the Sixers, they have to do no worse to be in the conference finals. Anything else is a failure. Anything else would lead to you questioning Philadelphia's management trying to bring Jimmy Butler back at that super max $190 million over five years, if he can't help you get to the conference finals, no GM in their right mind is going to pay Jimmy Butler $190 million. So this will come down to not just talent because talent matters. This is going to come down to chemistry and personalities, three alphas, and they've got to all find their pecking order. There's no question that Embiid is the centerpiece to whatever Philadelphia does. The two, they're going to have to learn to work better off of each other because they're both on the perimeter and they both are ball dominant are going to be Simmons and Jimmy Butler. If Simmons can at least establish himself as more of an offensive threat, he can play off of Jimmy Butler well because Jimmy Butler has the ability to create for himself and others. Jimmy Butler, the last couple of seasons, has averaged not just over 23 points a game, but he's averaged over five assists a game. Plus, when you flip the script and go to the other end of the floor with Simmons, with Embiid, with Jimmy Buckets, you could have an elite defensive lineup. Again, I think this is all a bust for Philly. But if it does work, if they can get to the conference finals, if the chemistry does click, I think Philly's going to give whoever they go up against a long series, maybe one of the best series we've seen in the playoffs in years. They were great last year until they ran into the Celtics and they struggled a little bit. And then maybe they were just young, unproven and not ready going up against a veteran, more established team. And that happens sometimes. I think Jimmy Butler gives them some veteran leadership in terms of how he plays on the court. And maybe that'll rub off because the, the Sixers do still have some young pieces. I also think, The addition of Jimmy Butler, the attention that he will draw will actually give folks a chance to kind of fade to the black and not everything and be about what he's not doing, what he can't do and all his shortcomings. I think Jimmy Butler is the best thing that ever happened to Markel folks right now. This is a tough town to play in. If you are a fan 
and you live in Philly, you're a player in Philly, it is one of the roughest cities to play in. When things are going well, they love you. But when it's going bad, Philly fans are the roughest. A lot of people talk about New York fans. If we're talking about the hardest fans, the ones that make it personal, the fastest, the quickest to get up in you is Philly. I think in the big picture, this is a good move for both teams. It's the move that both teams needed. On paper, and there's no paper champions, I can see this working on both ends. If you've read the reports, Carmelo Anthony is meeting with Rockets management along with coach Mike D'Antoni to discuss his role with the team. And that seems to be code for the Rockets are about to waive Carmelo Anthony 11 games into the season. Most people think this is the Rockets way of making Melo the fall guy for the Rockets slow start. I think you can make a fair point. Yes, Carmelo Anthony has not played his best basketball. He's averaging 13 points a game on 40% shooting from the field, 32% from three. But do you want some more ugly numbers? Chris Paul on 15 field goal attempts is averaging 38% from the field. He's shooting 30% from three. Eric Gordon, 33% from the field, 23% from three. The Rockets as a team don't shoot well and have not shot well all year. Actually, going into last night's game, even James Harden was shooting 41% from the field. Part of the reason their defense is so bad is because their offense is so bad. Yes, Melo is a shell of himself, but he has been a shell of himself for four years. His last two years in New York, his last two full seasons in New York told you all you needed to know. His legs are shot. He can't run anymore. He can't jump anymore. His ability to take people off the dribble, that's gone. He's nothing more than a catch-and-shoot player right now. His last two seasons in New York, 43% from the field, 22 points a game. He got to the foul line five times per game, which is down from his career high where he normally gets to the line around seven times a game. His first and only year in OKC, 16 points a game, 40% from the field, and almost half of his shots were from three. The same thing is going on in Houston. He's been relegated to being nothing more than a catch-and-shoot guy, and the only problem with that is he's not that type of shooter. He's not Ray Allen or Reggie Miller or J.J. Redick or anybody like that. He has the ability to make a three, but he's not money from three. And I've said this before, if all you're going to do is bring him in to be a catch and shoot guy, then you're wasting your time and you're wasting his time. He's not that guy. There are better ways to use a guy who's six foot eight, almost 245 pounds. He can still post. He still can be affected from the mid post and the elbow. But you've got to use him. You've got to put him in a position to be successful. If the Rockets move on from Melo, which most people presume is going to happen. And if they don't move on away from him right away, you can see where this is going to go, right? They'll keep him, but then they'll minimize his minutes to where he'll ask for a trade or he'll ask to be released. And then upon that time, they're going to let him go. So here's my question. Does anybody think Carmelo Anthony has anything left to offer any playoff contender? Even if it's in a lesser role, even if he swallows his pride and says, you know what? 
I can go play for the Warriors. I can play 15 minutes a game. I can get by on 10 shots a game. Do you think Carmelo Anthony has anything left to offer a team? If so, hit me up on Facebook, respond to me on YouTube. My gut feeling is, even though I think he has something left, the way the game is played and the way most of these playoff teams' rosters are built top to bottom, I just don't think a lot of contenders have a need for his services. And I'm not and I'm not down in mellow. Like I said, if you look at the Rockets numbers across the board, nobody's played well. He's just low hanging fruit and the easiest guy to attack. But moving forward, when you look at how this season is shaping out once or if I should say if and when he is no longer a member of the Rockets. Does he have value in the NBA? One more thing on the Butler trade. Yes, it has a great impact on the Eastern Conference, but I also think it has a big impact on the Western Conference. When you look at the way things are set up right now, Golden State is on top of the conference at 11 and 2, and then the next best team record-wise is Portland at 10 and 3. And while I admire what Dame and CJ have done, Nurkic is having a career year, I just don't think Portland has enough to sustain what they're currently doing, and more importantly, I don't think they have enough firepower to go on a deep playoff run. So I think they have a good record, but I think it is more smoke and mirrors than reality. But look at the rest of the conference all bunched up again like last year. Jimmy Butler leaving actually helps the Warriors because there's no threat, even if it was a long shot, of him being traded to the Lakers. Or the talk of the town at one point was him going to the Rockets. That's off the table. Or any other team in the Western Conference. And when you look at the way the league is shaking up right now, what other big move out there could shake up the Western Conference? The only move that could be made that might shake, not shake it up, but make it a little bit more interesting, add a little bit more drama to it. What if Melo does get waived by the Rockets and the Warriors say, we like Jarebko, but why not bring in Melo? Why not? If he's good with playing 14 or 15 minutes a night, Like I said, I think it's low risk, high reward for the Warriors. They're that strong a core. They have that strong a leadership. What he can and can't do ultimately will not impact their path going forward. It's a benefit to him. And should he actually step up and be productive to them, that makes them even scarier. Jimmy Butler to the East is also great for the Warriors in the West. To be clear, I don't know if the Rockets are going to release Melo or not, or if they're going to waive him or not. What I do know is all signs seem to be pointing to them parting ways. Maybe they'll have some kind of a press conference and make a statement and say they've agreed to go their separate ways. Maybe the Rockets hold on to Melo, but they give him an even lesser role, shorten his minutes, and then he turns around and ends up demanding to be waived. What I think is going to happen is if he's waived by the Rockets, I think title contenders won't be so quick to sign him. I think they're going to give it some time. I think Melo's going to end up getting the Des Bryant treatment. He might be sitting by a phone waiting for a call that may or may not come unless a team ends up sustaining an injury and then he gets called up, which is sad because you're talking about a 10-time All-Star and a future Hall of Famer. But if you guys know anything about Steven Jackson, a.k.a. Captain Jack, Look up his rant on YouTube about the Rockets and Mellow. Captain Jack, 
I feel you. I'm with you 100 percent. I'm out here, y'all. I'm gonna leave y'all with this. It's the cipher next time.